and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. And hello, folks, and welcome to yet another episode from your favorite sales chat show podcast. I'm joined in the studio, as always, with your two favorite sales chat show posse members, Mr. Phil Jessner and Graham Jones, and I'm just here to make up the numbers, as usual. In this, oh, I don't need to nod quite so vigorously. Thank you, Mr. Jones, when I said that. Uh, This episode is called Have You Got? an ordinary group of salespeople or an exceptional sales team? Ooh, uh, that sounds like an interesting one. I am going to hand over to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Phil Jessen. You are going to lead the charge for us, I believe, on this one, sir. Yes, I will very happily lead the charge. And this is uh, hot off the press in the sense that this morning I found myself coaching the uh, future chief executive of a local charity. And uh, she said to me, well, how do you move a team of people that are not really a team? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, well, I think what I've got at the moment is a group of people that are not particularly effective, but they think they are a very good team. But how do you move them from there into being a really, really effective sales team, et cetera, et cetera. So the issue is what we've got here is a group of people that think they're good, but they're not. So are they, are they good individual, just for context, are they good individual contributors? I think she would say there's a yes and a no on that. Okay. I think, I think, okay. I think what, what you have here is that in our language, you've got a, a, a six out of 10 team, but <laughs> they probably think there are nine. I got you. I so got you. Uh, okay. I, I talked her through a number of uh, things that she might like to do, and I'm, I'm happy to share one of those now just to kick us off, and then you guys can add to it. But I, I said to her, well, one of the things that you might like to do at your next meeting is to invite each team member to talk about their definition of a dream team and to name it. Is it Manchester City? Is it the team that they used to belong to in a previous business? Is it Mm. the cabinet, God forbid? But to actually identify, to actually identify individually around the room, what exactly is your dream team? And in her team of eight people, there will, of course, be a huge difference in those eight dream teams selected What will be similar, though, and I would put money on this, is the behaviours and characteristics of those dream teams. So that's stage two, really, for her to work with this group of people to say, okay, you've all got different dream teams, but what are the characteristics and behaviours of those dream teams? You crack on and I will write them on the flip chart. Having identified what those behaviours and characteristics are, 
then of course it gets quite nitty gritty because what she's now got to do is to say, okay, how are we as a team performing against those characteristics that you've identified? And of course, what will happen is that if there are a dozen characteristics on the flip chart, there will be some areas where her team will genuinely be doing quite well in terms of behaviours and characteristics and others where they are probably well adrift. And having identified where they are adrift of those dream behaviours, of course, my chief executive is then very much in question mode. What do we need to do as a team then to close the gap down? What do you want me to do as the chief executive? What are you going to do as individual team members? What do you want other people not in the room here today to do to allow you to become a more effective team? So that's my sort of discussion from this morning. And I'll just summarise it because I know you're going to be talking about that later on. Um, What is your definition of a dream team? Stage two, what are the characteristics and behaviours? Stage three, how are we performing against that? Stage four, what do we need to do then to improve that during the months ahead? So that's hot off the press, but what other ideas have you got, chaps, for moving the ordinary group of people into a highly effective team? I follow a similar process when I'm doing doing work with <clears throat> helping teams to perform better as a team. Um, and it just it's a slight variation on your approach, Phil. One is I get them to discuss what's the best team you've ever been part of and why, why and what are the characteristics. So sim- similar approach. Yeah. And then there is a, a model for teams uh, called GRIPI, G-R-P-I. So goals, roles and responsibilities, processes and procedures, interpersonal relationships. And I have a, a sort of a form of those characteristics. In, 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 inevitably, what comes out of the first exercise are those characteristics. And then I just have a sheet and it's on a one to 10. So clear vision or whatever, clear goal. And I get each person individually to rate the team. And then we share. So I'd say, okay, who's got a high score? Graham said, oh, I've got a nine for a clear goal for the team. Uh, Okay, who's got a low score? Phil, two, right? Okay, now we're not averaging. What we need to know is why does Graham think it's a nine and Phil thinks it's a two? So we start the process of dialoguing around the characteristics of the team. Then you sort of decide consensus, not average, consensus of where we realistically are and what are we going to do to move it from a six to an eight or to a nine? So... I just find it a really great sort of team exercise because it's actually working on the dynamics of the team and it's a whole lot cheaper than sending people off into a forest or to a lake to build a raft or something. So, uh, you know, the classic team building group of people who don't work very well in the office, take them into a forest to climb up a tree and find out they don't work very well in forests either and you've just spent $10,000 for the the privilege of... (laughs) By the way, I'm not knocking any of those team building things, but... There's there's other stuff you can be doing, you know, mm. that's faster, quicker, and far more efficient. They have their place, right? They they do they do obviously have their place though. So yeah, but yeah, just just socialising together, for example, letting people get to know each other is a is a is a pretty good pretty good place to start as well. I would say yeah. before you get too grandiose about it. Mister mm. well, Jones, I'm sat here very quietly listening to some very good ideas here that 
the idea of you know who your dream team is and uh, the I'm, very I'm, points I'm that... waiting for the but i'm waiting for the but okay you want the but yeah well, yeah the but is that the two of you are making great ideas but it's based on a false premise and the... oh i knew he's going to trot out some research phil here it comes but the false premise <laughs> is that salespeople could form a team in the first place. And I think that um, sales managers are wasting their time trying to think of forming a sales team. And I'll tell you why, because it's based on psychology. If If I were a sales director, I would ask you, or if you were a sales director, I would ask you to play a game with me of fantasy sales team, a bit like fantasy football, yeah, you can get all your best players into a team. And if you're a sales director, here's what you would do. You would think about all those brilliant salespeople who've worked for you in the past, all the people that you've worked with in other companies, and you would say, that person's brilliant. They have great relationships with their customers. They get the best sales. And you would form the best sales team to get the best sales. And then once you've assembled your fantasy sales team, I would then ask you to tell me, about all the people in there. And all the people in that fantasy sales team would be fantastic individuals. And the fact is that to be a salesperson, you're self-selecting a group of people who are going to become salespeople. Those people who become salespeople are motivated to become a salesperson. They're motivated, their personality factors means they are much more focused on individual activity and much less on group activity. The people who work for the charity that Phil's talking about are, will have personality factors that make them want to work in a group of people, not on their own. Salespeople want to work on their own. So the whole notion of forming an exceptional sales team is never going to work. And we know it's never going to work because every year sales directors spend tens of thousands of pounds on yet more team building, yet more team um, exercises, yet more ways of creating a team. And nobody in the team wants to be in the team. They want to be out there on their own. So stop. It's a bit like, you know, there's something else that I think we have a kind of false premise for, the whole notion of sales targets. You know, we should Here we scrap go. them. Here we go. I knew, we, I knew we we should... managed to work in sales targets somewhere. <laughs> I th- scrap the notion of sales targets and scrap the notion of a sales team. Well, I, th- I just... think I think Graham is getting his own back today for the savaging I gave him a few weeks ago. Mr. Jones, um, whilst I would be initially supportive of your commentary about <clears throat> that, often you have a team of individual contributors who are just a team for reporting purposes. Yeah. Of course, I, and then your position is is probably has has a degree of validity. And I'm, you know, absolutely right. You just want them to work effectively together at sales meetings, share best practices, cover each other's territories or whatever when necessary, mentor. And so that helps. However, a lot of sales now you are going to have, particularly in IT and technology, you're going to have pre-sales teams, you're going to have solution architects, you're going to have overlay teams as well that have to be or key account teams where they have to be well led and well managed with with more than one more than one group of people. So I think what we're talking about is context. So if it's a group of, and by the way, I, I, to Phil's point of, you know, six out of 10 for some of the people as individual contributors, you definitely got to be making sure you've got the right quality of people working for you full stop, you know, as an individual contributor in, or as in a, 
in a team. I think it's, I think I remember reading somewhere with say UK special forces, they want to select really good individual people because then they think they can work as a team. But if you've not got anybody decent in the first place, you're in a, you're in a difficult position. So I think it's a context thing, you know, and if they've got to work and collaborate as in they are reliant upon each other for collective success, then you're putting the time and effort, I think, into making that. that, that I, I, I think I'm 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 partly agreeing with Graham, which is a, a, a source of great sadness occurrence. for me. Um, but uh, I I think that there are there are many sales directors who will be able to sit down with each member of their sales team brackets and graham's right here they they will have a a huge interest in themselves and their own performance but uh, if the sales director was to say to said salesperson well how can you improve your performance and how can you improve your earnings by working more effectively in the team then i think those salespeople will still be able to identify ways of working more effectively as a team. For example, most salespeople, in order to earn more, they would be very, very happy talking to a colleague in the team about a piece of product knowledge that they don't know about themselves or wheeling that colleague in on a joint visit to talk about that particular product if that's their area of expertise. And again, in terms of these vertical sectors that I'm talking about now, there'll be members of the sales team that are experts in certain market sectors. Yeah. Similar thing, salespeople will say to themselves, well, I can earn more, I can improve my sales performance um, if I get so-and-so to come with me on this joint visit in a market sector that I've never been into before, so I think I, I, I think I'm half agreeing with Graham, but would still say that even the most talented but self-orientated salesperson will still be prepared to work as a team player and in, in a genuine way, not just a superficial way, um, and uh, help to create that that team-based uh, culture. And I think I think before anybody. I sound like I'm really against team building things and I'm not, but before you start spending a ton of money, I think two, two particularly effective team building exercises I ran was one covering a vacant territory because one of the team members had to take a month off to, to be with his wife after a very serious operation and, and the, the dividing up the territory between giving them the autonomy to divide it up between them and work out how to do it was a fantastic team building and useful and then exactly the same principle covering key Christmas holiday dates like just give them a collective job to do and they work it out right you don't have no. to it doesn't have to be clever all the time it doesn't have to be anything earth shattering to just get the team collaborating and working together and these I, things I've, I've are many with, opportunities I, i've worked with quite a few uh, organizations over the years where you know sales directors quite rightly in my view have put one day a month in the diary for team activities and mm. typically what that might mean is that the sales director might move all 10 salespeople into that one salesperson's territory and they'll go and visit during the course of the day 50 or 60 or 70 prospects 
that have been previously identified by the resident salesperson, but they can really work as a team. And if speed is of the essence, let's say, for example, it's a sales territory where a competitor uh, salesperson has just left recently and there's a vacancy in that territory, then why would a sales director not move all members mm -hmm. of the sales team into that patch to exploit this little window of, uh, window of opportunity that is there? Have some have some fun. I think Phil, you would know with your your military background the the sometimes incredible bonding of having a common enemy. And I mean, I don't mean it in that in the, you know that awful sense, but certainly when I was responsible as a, the sales manager for the Northwest, one of my very good friends, hey Harvey, if you're listening, I know you're listening to the sales chat show from time to time. He ran the Northeast team, and we would just keep our teams in a state of healthy competition with each other for fun. And they both knew what we, all the teams knew what we were doing. But it was this month we are going to beat the Northeast team, and the Northeast month we're going to beat the Northwest team, and we had this wonderfully wonderful healthy rivalry and it was good fun and mm. it just it just really helped everybody to raise their game you know it was uh having somebody to compete against i think seems to work for some salespeople. they're all i think uh, uh, i think graham graham's that. twitching again I yeah he's, he's going to trot out some more research <laughs> now phil here it comes, here it comes. Uh, I, the, the research is in a book on the shelf up here which i can't quite reach but <laughs> oh thank goodness um, for that <laughs> but you see what you're talking about there isn't a team you're talking about individuals who want to compete with other individuals. That's not teamwork. They yeah. wanted to compete as individuals in a team against the other team. So in a group, <laughs> in a group. Yeah. So this is semantics, isn't it? Yeah. That yes. teamwork is about a group of people functioning as one. That's not what happens in sales. Even and it might happen in those big kind of. Uh, projects such as those big IT projects where you've got one yep, team and yep. you've got all the different people, but they don't call the largely for the companies that I know, they don't call themselves a sales team. They call themselves something else. It's not about selling. It's about providing a solution to a customer. So you've got some IT expert, you've got somebody who's an expert in, you know, how it will all work together, or somebody who's a networking expert. Uh, and whilst ultimately they're trying to produce something that the customer will buy they're not working as a sales team their responsibility as individuals in that team is not to sell it's to create something that can be sold so it's an entirely different approach they're working as a single unit to produce something that can be sold um, and the person who sells it will be an individual so it's horses for horses yeah it's it's about what is appropriate for for the context of the team if yeah, you want to, in but, inverted commas, but yeah? salespeople don't work as teams. They work as individuals. You have a very dim view of the sales profession, Mr. Jones, trying to start to imply that we're not we're not team we're not team players. But uh, by the way, all the sales managers listening in, if you do want lots of best practice sharing and collaboration, having a public league table is probably the last thing you should consider having. Because if I say to Mr. Jones, who's number one, please share with us your secrets of your success this month, Graham. Graham is going to feed us a load of old nonsense and not actually talk about what's made him the most successful so i went, I went uh, into a client um, asked me i don't know this must be 10 years ago now uh they'd got a big group of uh, um motor dealers across the uk 
And there was one person in one dealer, one of their dealerships who was the top seller out of the whole country, was fantastic, and sold in the dealership that he worked at, sold about half the cars. And, they, you know, there's another half a dozen people in there doing the other half between them. And they wanted every other salesperson in all of their dealerships across the UK to be like that number one salesperson. And I said, well, that's never, you know, that's a, a non-starter because A, they are not going to listen to him uh, because they don't like him because he's showing them up. So uh, they're never going to listen to him. B, if he does get to talk to them, he's going to tell them a load of all rubbish uh, because he wants to maintain his number one position. So what you need to do is stop telling people who's the best salesperson. Don't tell anybody who's the best and who's the worst. Don't embarrass the people at the bottom. You might need to talk to them as individuals, but by making it public, you're making the situation worse. Yeah, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of having the data. Yep. But I am not a big fan of it being used publicly. That's my personal per personal position. If I'm ever asked on, really good performance management thing to have, and for and supports coaching because you you're coaching on data then about you know where the metrics are that they need to improve, for example. But um, having a I think having a, a, a public league table is it's a it's a very old fashioned um, and culturally I don't think is going to get you any sort of cooperation and best practice sharing across but the, the theory behind it is it's a team well it's not you're actually yeah. disbanding the team by yeah. publishing that that kind of information and if you want people to work together as a group you need to stop creating division um and by publishing a league table you create division amongst yeah. people well, so Phil, any, any thoughts, closing thoughts? No, I, I think that I'm just reacting to Graham's last point, which I, th I think is absolutely spot on. Uh, and I think one of the best ways of uh, removing division within the sales team, and I will keep calling it a sales team, but one of the best ways to remove it is to make sure that the, the common goal is very, very clear yeah. for all members in that team. And when I talk about common goal uh, at a macro level, uh, yes, I'm talking about the purpose of the organization, you know, the values and beliefs of the organization, but within the team, making sure that they really understand what the common goals are for that six months, that 12 months or whatever. Uh, and I think that again will tend to uh, create more of a uh, of a of a of a team spirit within the team, but yes, Graham's right. Everybody will have their own little slice of the cake that they are very very concerned about, uh, and they'll be more concerned about that uh, than the quality of the icing on the team cake. But the one thing we know about common goals is that the research tells us, and it is in this book up here, which I will get in a while, um, <laughs> but. Um, the, the research shows us that people only get to those common goals if those common goals align with their individual personal goals. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I, would, I would agree with that. If so we do, if, so mm -hmm. if their individual personal goals don't align with those common goals, you're not, so your yeah. team has basically got to all have the same individual personal goals for them to want to reach the team goal. That's mm. never going to happen. You're never going to find people all with the same personal goals. No, but you can you can put some things in like OKRs, can't you? You know, or objectives and sort of key results piece where you have a cascade down, 
And, you know, it's always worked very well for me that if, if, you know, if I know my boss, his or her, their success is based on the collective success of all of the people below them and it's aligned nicely, that helps to create, I think, that sense of common purpose, doesn't it? That, you, yeah. you know, and it, it helps you to be, at the very least, pointing in the same, <clears throat> pointing in the same direction towards the common goal. And they don't always have to be huge and grandiose, right? No. It can be, it can be just, you know, taking market share off the competition or whatever it is, but, you know, giving, giving people something collectively to focus on, or they all feel like they're playing a part that probably helps with a team spirit or, you know, even if it's a collection of individuals as Graham would, um, as Graham would say, because you, even with individual performers, you know, you, you want to just make sure they're happy to help each other out and share ideas and thoughts. And, and also just from a human, you know, well-being, psychological, just sense of okay in the workplace, you know, that they are, have got people to talk to and, and to interact with and, you know, share, share some, some problems, fun, et cetera, you know, all part of a, I think of a healthy, healthy, sustainable, you know, place of, place of work. So, any any final thoughts, chaps, before we close? No, I think I'm uh, I'm there on mine. Good, 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 good. Mr. Jones, you're going to find that book for us, are you? I will. <laughs> it's called Sales Genius. Um, can't is remember it, who wrote is that. It, is, it sales, um, is it Sales Genius by Graham Jones? Oh, available a, yeah, from all go. good bookshops and several poor ones as well. I'm told. So. <laughs> Quite. <yeah. laughs> um, but so, I would just think that. Uh, if people are listening to this, they will have realised that we are not just a group of individuals, but we are an exceptional podcasting team. <laughs> <laughs> Who fall out with each other on a regular basis. I would love to gesticulate to my copy of Sales Genius on my bookshelf behind me, but I have my virtual backdrop up, so that didn't work, did it? <laughs> so, so if you're watching that, apologies for that. But Sales Genius by Graham Jones. Put it on your uh, your book purchasing list and put it on your to-do list, folks. Yeah. There's plenty of them on eBay, apparently. <laughs> I'm reminded of, of, of uh, somebody I know who wrote a book and they went to their local bookshop and uh, who had their book in stock. And they said, would it, would it help if I signed some of them? And they said, well, no, because um, if you sign them, it means we can't send them back if they don't sell. So how's that for a, <laughs> how's that for a crushing blow to, a, to an author's ego? So. Yeah, lovely. Anyway, folks, there are, oh gosh, nearly 200 episodes now in the Sales Chat Show back catalogue, saleschatshow.com. You'll find them all there. In the meantime, we just like to wish you good luck and good selling and good luck with creating those incredible high-performance teams. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. Mm -hmm.